Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. We are going to dedicate the entire podcast here today to the guy, the man, Alex Marlowe, editor-in-chief of Breitbart.com. His book, Breaking Biden, came out today. doing sir i've been really great mike thank you for having me on my uh, first interview of the day there will be many 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 of these and i'm thrilled to get warmed Wonderful. up with my favorite audience in all of radio beautiful and uh year plus in the making finally you can fully completely talk about it right or do we have to wait another day no no no, no. we could it, it's all out there it's all uh, it'll start arriving for any of you pre-ordered i can't thank you enough for doing that it'll start arriving today for those of you who did if you are want to listen to me if you miss the sounds of my <laughs> uh i i guess is, is it nasally that's too mean i won't say no, that about myself no. but but it's the uh, whatever it is whatever characteristic of my voice if you miss it uh it's on audiobook it's it's a little longer than breaking the news so you get a lot of content and then uh on e- kindle ebook it's interesting mike because Probably two thirds of my sales will be hardcovers, um, but I'm a kind I'm a Kindle guy or an ebook reader, and I like audiobooks. So uh, my least favorite is the hardcover, but people like the uh, souvenir of being able to have the physical hardcover. So it's, it's all the out hard- there for everyone. I require the hardcover. Yeah, a, a lot of people do. A lot of people, they, they they're totally uncomfortable reading in any other way, and it's by far my least favorite of the three <laughs> options. But uh, I will say to this audience before we get into the content that there is um, if uh, you would like to be helpful to me or to Breitbart, uh, it's a picking up a copy or 10 for your friends and family members uh, helps immeasurably because the better this does, the more I can keep doing this and the more uh, I have freedom to uh, investigate and write the stuff that I think can change the world. And that's the second part, which is if everyone reads this book, the world will be different. It is. I, I don't have any expectations, Mike, of everyone reading this book. But uh, if they did, uh, Joe Biden will be retired. There is no way he will continue to be able to be president. Uh, if everyone knows all the content of what he's done in his life and how many disasters he's caused one after the next after the next, it's all in there. So those are two pretty good reasons to go get, go out and get it. And I, I can't think every I can't thank you and the whole audience enough for getting me off to a great start. Let's start with the start. So uh, the very first written page, this would be page I X mm. in the book. You yeah. come. You come right out with, let me see what um, paragraph this is, uh, maybe paragraph five or so. You come right out with uh, a fact about Joe Biden that has been buried in the books already, and you start right off with it. Why do you start? No, sorry, fact number two. Here it is. It's page number two, or um, uh, paragraph number two, uh, that Joe Biden's ancestors did what? They own slaves. There's a Joe Biden comes from a from a slaver family, and uh, I bring this up for. I, by the way, I gotta tell you, busted out laughing. Could yeah. not wait to get reading the book. I'm on paragraph two, busting out laughing that you chose to start off with that. I love it. Go ahead. Yeah. 
thank you so much. And I appreciate you know who had the same reaction as my dad, Robert, who's our night editor at Breitbart. He had the same thing where he was still read. I just handed him the book, and he he hasn't even you know sat down. He's just standing in my kitchen, <laughs> and he, and he's already laughing because I point out two and a half paragraphs in that uh, Joe Biden was a slave uh, has come from a slaver family, and and no one points this out. And I think it the reason why I use that example is because it is something that you would think would be known by every single American that Joe Biden, who consistently preaches about unity, has consistently tried to use racial and divisive politics to try to advance his career, but has this horrific record on race. Uh, of course, I bring up, Mike, one of my favorite go-tos from broadcast uh, over the years that Joe Biden also referred to black children as roaches in 2017, literally used one of the most disgusting racial slurs I've ever heard in my life about black children, not, not 50 years ago when he was already in politics. It was five years ago he did that. Uh, he, this is his history, and the media has given, a wa- given him a walk on all of this. And the reason why I think this was the perfect story to bring up at the very top uh, is to prove to the audience who has just picked up a pretty thick book on a guy they know they don't like that if you think you know Joe Biden and you think you've heard everything there is to know about Joe Biden, you know nothing about Joe Biden. The extent to which Joe Biden has done bad stuff and has gotten away with it goes beyond anyone who's listening who, uh, other than maybe a handful of people who work for Peter Schweitzer, GAI, uh, none of you guys have any idea how bad this guy is. And that's number one. And the media didn't just play it down, Mike. They said flat out, no, he does not own slaves. They say flat out, no, he didn't. His family didn't own slaves. They have no connection to slaves. Because why? This came out in an election year. Lo and behold, the election happens, and then quietly, when everyone doesn't care anymore, they put out, oh yeah, by the way, his family did totally own slaves, are bad, and then buried, <laughs> move on. And this is what he's benefited from for 50 years, and it's why he's yeah. still the president. Oh, it's, it's so good. Now, real quick, do you care that his family owns slaves? It's a great question. Um, I care in the sense that it is part of a larger record, um, and the, the, it's, it's, it fits two patterns that I found in the book. One is that Joe Biden does not appear to learn essential lessons from mistakes in his past. Um, The things that he's done wrong or the things that have happened to him that have been unfortunate. And there's example after example that I back up in the book of this, uh, where it feels like a normal human being, a a flesh and blood American uh, God-fearing person would get more lessons learned, more takeaways from experiences they have. Uh, Joe Biden hasn't. Uh, It's the he, his family owned slaves, uh, he got away with it. So what does he do? He has emphasized his heritage on the other side of the family that did known slaves. He acts like he emphasized a lot the Irishness of his family. He loves talking about that because that's the side of the family that did known slaves. It makes all of it seem like a ruse, like a put on, like oh, Biden leaning into his Irishness. It seems even more dishonest and disingenuous and more political because that was something he could use to create the myth of Joe Biden when really he was equal parts coming from slaver stock. And so I think that that is a a really sort of it kind of makes your skin crawl when you think of it like that. But he talks so much about his Irishness, about uh, his his uh, working class grassroots uh, that he comes from. But. Part of why he's doing that is because the other side of his family was doing one of the most heinous things you could do, which is owning other human beings. So uh, it is. uh, So for me, um, that's why I care in the broader pattern, not that I actually hold Joe Biden accountable for stuff his ancestors did hundreds of years ago, but he never had to own it. He never had to apologize. And what is instilled in him from this 
is that because uh, he got away with it, he got he didn't get away with murder, but he got away with slavery, so to speak. So I, I don't really blame Joe for it. But the fact that he never had to address it and he's had to uh, he's asked for his op- political opponents to address racisms that we've had nothing to do with. It does make you feel kind of gross. Well done. Well, and this, by the way, this is what the book is. It's a fact and then analysis and why it matters and bigger story. That's the layout of the book. Um, Breaking Biden out today. Go buy it right now. Breaking Biden. Um, one or ten. So, or any number in between, but ten. So, last time we talked, a couple times ago maybe, you talked about how you were surprised that there were things that were right there. Maybe this is sort of one of them. But that's right there. Like, like we're yeah. so easy to pick. Now, some things, of course, you had to dig incredibly deep that only like trained professionals would ever even know. It. But some things were like so easy to just pick up. <laughs> like, yeah. how is no one... Put this one together. Can you yeah. share with us any of those? Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect one because this is one where I'm giving you guys a 45-minute head start, those of you listening to the live show, because this is going to be the first piece that I'm going to run on direct book content, which is going to go up at brightbird.com um, in about, scheduled in about 45 minutes, nice. um, which is uh, Joe Biden, his, people know a lot about the Penn Biden Center that was talked a lot about, but people have learned less about the University of Delaware Biden Institute. The University of Delaware Biden Institute was another part of this plan. There's supposed to be three satellites, uh, UPenn Biden Center, the University of Delaware Biden Institute, and a Penn-connected office in D.C. Uh, this was going to be part of Joe Biden's legacy-making and start creating places, a farm system for potential Biden administration officials to go into the White House. And it kind of succeeded in a lot of ways. Um, but people figured out, thanks to Peter Schweitzer, the, the UPenn Biden Center, for example, started to get, uh, the University of Pennsylvania started to get all these Chinese uh, infusion of cash right after the, it had opened up. So the UPenn Biden Center opens up. All of a sudden, the Chinese can't stop donating to UPenn. And due to various disclosure rules, which the Bidens benefit from throughout another pattern in the book, um, we, we kind of leave it there. There's only so much you can learn about it, but it clearly raises a lot of suspicion. Well, uh, people didn't dig quite as deep into the University of Delaware uh, Biden Center. And one of the tips was that people should have dug a little bit deeper was the one I couldn't believe everyone missed. And I've had this, been sitting on this mic for months, and I can't believe no one caught this. Uh, but Valerie Biden, who chairs the Biden Institute, referred to the, U, to the University of Delaware Biden Institute as, quote, Hunter's Baby. Hunter's Baby was what it was called. Who's, Val- who's so, Valerie Biden, by the way? Valerie Biden is uh, Joe Biden's sister, who okay. formerly ran his campaigns, has made money off of the Biden family for decades, and she was put in charge of this Biden Institute. So you've got a, uh, a university who is set up, first of all, they named their Public Policy Institute after Joe Biden. And they set up this center to try to be a place for Joe Biden to start creating a farm system for a potential administration, you know, basically colluding with the university. And now we've got something that is Hunter's Baby, which is developing partnership between, between the University of Delaware and uh, Joe Biden. So then what happens at the University of Delaware? Of course, the Chinese donations start flowing in. It's exactly the same pattern. And why? It's Hunter's baby. Recall that Hunter also still has Bohai uh, uh, Harvest. He's got all of these companies, BHR, for example, where he retains an equity stake in a company that's controlled by the Bank of China. So Hunter's got these thick ties to China. They're still there. Recall also Hunter sold Rosemont Realty to a, a Chinese company 
and he got cash. We know that he got at least a couple hundred grand out of it, um, but he retains stock. So, so he's got he's got a stake in a company, a Chinese company. Hunter's ties to China are thick or as thick as can be. So, the University of Delaware Biden Institute, the guy they uh, who is running the University of Delaware, the guy who comes in, the president of the whole school, is a guy who's deeply tied to China. A guy named Dennis Asanis, and he comes up quite a bit uh, in, in in the article that people are going to read. But his ties to China are, aren't just China, it's Chinese military. So the guy who's running the University of Delaware is who's incoming, wasn't even there yet, but he's plotting before he even gets there with Biden, this institute. He's a guy who has ba- who is bad cash, bigly, from China and with technologies, to helping to develop technologies that aid the Chinese military. So we already have a guy who's supportive of Chinese military tech who's coming in. Now you're starting an institute with that is called Hunter's Baby, and then there's an infusion of Chinese cash, and then it gets more. It gets even more dramatic. We get from also the laptop and other communications that somehow got overlooked that there was scheming that was done with a guy named Craig Gearing, who's a talent agent from Creative Artists Agency. Those of you in Hollywood know this is. Uh, he, the creative artist, is one of the biggest agencies. And so what he's doing is there's evidence that he's plotting a Clinton Global Initiative-like entity for Joe, but without the money raised, Mike. How can you have a Clinton Global Initiative without the money raised? Where is the money coming from? That we don't know for sure, but I'll tell you where all the signs are pointing towards. I don't have to tell you. You guys can do the math on your own. How are you going to have something like that without the money raised? Someone's going to be feeding you money, correct? So who could possibly do that? I will let the audience connect those dots in their head. And so we've got this entity that is already benefiting from people who have deep ties to China. It's Hunter's baby. And then we learn that the whole point of all of this, the whole point of this tripartite Biden legacy building apparatus is quote unquote wealth creation. It's not just about trying to create legacy. It's about creating wealth for the Biden family. So China connected, Hunter's baby, run by sister Valerie to create wealth. All of this constellation is clear evidence of deep corruption and is entirely missed by the entire media establishment. I have no idea why no one put this together, why this isn't the biggest scandal and why it hasn't been investigated to the same level so many of his other investigations or or so many of his other scandals. Uh, But I'm hoping today is the day people start paying attention. So you can wait 42 minutes and read about it on Breitbart.com, but don't even do that. It will do that, but also just buy the book right now. And you can read the whole thing. Okay, so, Alex, uh, this can go one of two ways. This is, okay, best case scenario, Joe wants to do good for America. Mm-hmm. So he sets up this think tank, this this, yeah. this, you know, this, uh, this institute. Right? He just really wants to help other working class people at the University of Delaware, right? Yeah. And then his family comes in and screws it up because they're so corrupt, Hunter and all the rest, right? Oh, and Joe, he's not really in the day-to-day, and he comes back a couple years later, oh, what did you guys do? Come on, I was trying to do a thing for the people. (laughs) (laughs) That's option one. Yeah. Or do you think he was in, this is the original intent he knew all along and was in on it still? Yeah, I, I think so. I think because remember that his family, one of the things you learn about Joe is that his family really is everything to him. And I think this is smart. I don't give him a lot of compliments in the book. Uh, the <laughs> book he has in almost every case 
whenever I looked deeper into Joe, I was able to locate less humanity. I was able to find uh, more anger and meanness and incompetence and all that stuff and uh, horrible motives and horrible tactics and uh, fearlessly doing awful stuff. Like that, that, but one thing that I think he did get right, and he gets a few things right strategically, is he really do, did, does treat his family like they're the most important people in the world. And I think that's generally a good policy for life, but particularly in Washington, where uh, when someone is on your side, it's always very uh, fickle. You can see it with all these people who turned on Trump over the last few years. It's just people who were their whole life was being part of Trump world. And now, um, you know, once a book deal comes across or once they get in a little bit of hot water, then all of a sudden they hate Trump. Um, And this is Biden's understood this. So he is really clung to his family. Uh, but part of that is that his family does a lot of the decision making and they actually speak of themselves as a plural, Mike. And I document this very early in the book, how going back to his early Senate races, they would speak as we, they would speak as a collective. So when the other family members would speak on Joe's behalf, it was always we decided this, we wanted to do this. So it has always been like this with the family. So just assume that Joe has no problem with it. He's never objected in the past. It's been 50 years. So if the family is doing something, if you've got something called the University of Delaware Biden Institute and Valerie Biden's put in charge and it's Hunter's baby, you have to assume that Joe's in on it, not to mention the financial stuff. I document again and again how Joe and Hunter's finances are intertwined. The latest example has come out since the book. But what we learned where uh, there was a wire transfer that was uh, ostensibly going to Hunter, but Hunter was living in California and it went to Joe's house in Delaware, then, you know, it, it shows you, I'm not saying that money was all going directly to Joe, but he, he knows exactly what's going on. He knows at a minimum he knows what's happening and is, is cool with it. And this is the pattern that happens over and over again where Joe gives himself enough plausible deniability that he's directly involved. Yeah. But I think we're asking the wrong question if we need to only see Joe as if he's he's the only one who can benefit. If the family benefits, it's a bribe. And if Joe is not going to come clean, he's covering it up. That's the standard. Wait, say that last sentence again. If the family gets a financial benefit from Joe's name, from his position of power and his influence— if the family gets a benefit, to me, that should qualify as a bribe in terms of public perception. If people are paying off the family, they're paying off Joe. People need to look at that as the same. Don't wait for just Joe to be uh, have his uh, some smoking Joe to hold a smoking gun, or as my friend Peter Schweitzer puts it, to hold one of those giant novelty-sized checks. That's what people want. That's not what's going on. Is yeah. the checks go to the family members, and then the policy changes on Joe's end. Yes, because they all t- it's all it's a, it's one it's one unit, and they all take care of each other, and it's the family, <laughs> right? So, who yes. what's the difference to Joe if Jill or Hunter or whoever gets all the money? Because it's yeah. all one thing, right? They're all one. It's, it's all one thing. They, they their their finances inter- intertwine. We know they intertwine. So it's the first of all, I think just in general, I think my point holds if we had no evidence that their finances were intertwined. But we have evidence of Hunter saying, and this, of course, gets covered in Breaking Biden, that he had to spend 50 percent of his income on on Joe. Um, I have no idea if that number is true. It's probably not. But that's what Hunter says. Uh, There is evidence that uh, Joe was using this phone that was owned by Rosemont, which is one of Hunter's companies. Why is Joe using it? Why don't we have all the records for this? This is another stunning thing that we don't have. But we do know that Joe was using a phone paid for by Hunter. 
All this stuff is a, a clearly sends a signal that the family is Joe and Joe is the family. Mm. Breaking Biden is the book. Alex Marlowe. Let's support Alex, if nothing else, but also get way ahead of everyone, way ahead of everyone when it comes to knowing the true Joe Biden and what's really going on, because we have an election coming up here now. We're in the, we're in the thick of it. So we need to know these things. We need to know the truth and you blow people's minds with, with what's happening here. I, I love when you said uh, he's fearlessly, do, fearlessly doing awful stuff. <laughs> That's a great line. Fearlessly doing it. Uh, you said horrible motives. That's not the that's not the Biden we're supposed to know. No, He's supposed to be doing his best. Why do you say those two things? Um, the fearlessness part was something that really took me a while to kind of process uh, how why Joe is what he is, and and I came to it not that I didn't just decide wow he's fearless. No, and I thought that what, why doesn't Joe care care at all? Or uh, the common parlance is uh, he doesn't give an f. And he, I wouldn't use the, the letter F. I would use, use, use the word. Uh, why is he like this? And one thing that's interesting to track, and some of the book, I, I try to keep it to essentials only because I know not everyone is going to pick it up because they want a deep history in Joe Biden. But uh, he has really overcome quite a bit in his life. He uh, was actually born into a fair bit of wealth and money. And his father lost it all. So he, he lost it and then went back down to ground zero. Um, and this was probably pretty tormenting to Joe. Joe famously had a terrible stutter. Uh, even the nuns made fun of him. Uh, some of those stories are pretty unbelievable. That clearly he had a chip in his shoulder there. Uh, he seemed to kind of be a late bloomer, and he got to high school. He's like 100 pounds, five foot one, and he wanted to be an athlete, and he had a stutter, and he was really small. So he kind of had to overcome that as well. Uh, then he was a horrific student, and not, not just bad, he was terrible, even though he lied about it and said he was great over and over again, which is hilarious to read some of the uh, boasting about his academic record, which was uh, by all accounts pathetic. Um, and then, of course, he had uh, several personal tragedies that happened throughout his life, uh, which were devastating to read about. This is where, if you want to find some humanity in Joe, um, uh, these are the places to find it. Um, he lost his wife and daughter in a car crash, uh, in between his first Senate election and when he was sworn in. So just totally earth-shaking stuff that no human being wouldn't be drastically altered by. Uh, and then, of course, he lost his son, Bo, who was the good son. Uh, and I don't say that as, as tongue-in-cheek. He was the good son. Um, and one of the only Biden family members who is just not loaded up with scandal after scandal uh, to a brain tumor. So, and, and this was big, too, for Joe because Joe had this vision of a dynasty like the Kennedys. And who else is going to be in the dynasty, Mike? I mean, we know basically who James is, and uh, we have a sense of who Ashley is. We certainly know who Hunter is. I mean, none of these people are going to be in any sort of a dynasty. So uh, Bo was his only hope. And then he died, tragically. And so Joe has gotten hit with so much over his life. Then it starts making sense that he doesn't care if we're making fun of him for being in his basement or if there's a bunch of hilarious internet memes about him. He doesn't care. He's lost family members. He's over, had to overcome real adversity, and he always had his eye on the prize, and his prize of being president ever since he was a little boy. And once you kind of process that, it starts becoming chilling, but also revealing. Do you, do you, is that good in life? That's like a big life lesson. Is it good to have a thick skin like that, or can you go too far and lose something? What do you lose? Fantastic question. I, I, way too far. He went way too far. And uh, one of the anecdotes that 
uh, I will share, and this will be in a piece in Breitbart probably next 24 hours, was there was an incident, and this one I will tease a little bit because I really want people to buy the book, uh, but there was an incident where Joe had the opportunity to express deep empathy for a family that had suffered a very similar fate to what Joe suffered with regards to car accident and losing family members. And Joe, for uh, well north of a of a decade, uh, did everything he could to avoid showing this family empathy, even though he had every reason to do so. And that definitely made me think that he had grown hardened, he'd grown callous. And this is even before Bo died, and he'd already been this way. Like, he had been, mm-hmm. l- lacked the ability to empathize, even though he could play an empathetic person from the stump. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily there for real. And you can see that repeatedly throughout his life, like the ignoring of his granddaughter, Navy Joan. I, I will do a listicle at some point for at Breitbart to summarize some of the callous and cruel things Joe's yes. done over his life. And uh, there's so many of them, example after example. But the Navy Joan one just sticks out very, very clearly. Uh, it's probably only the second clearest example in the book. The, the one I mentioned before is even worse. Uh, but his ability to not show empathy shows that he really did get, uh, it, it was, it, 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 there was a disconnect with reality that yes. had set in, it feels like, at some point. Yes, oh, that's very interesting. Breaking Biden is the book, Breaking Biden by Alex Marlowe, of course, editor-in-chief, Breitbart.com. Um, what am I being mean when I think about how Hunter and Ashley are kind of screwed up and am I going too far? Does that matter? Am I gossiping? Uh, and, and what about the other Bidens? Like it just doesn't, I remember when, when Trump is running, everyone was like, wow, look at his mm. kids are like, like, like fully functioning humans like they're like pretty impressive people that's pretty cool um and his family just doesn't seem to have that is it is that unfair or what do i do with that um there is not unfair at all um ashley only appears in the book a couple times and they were painful sections to write and i think they'll be painful sections to read for people because she doesn't seem to want the limelight uh, but she like so many other bidens has addiction problems And she also had the diary incident where she appeared to have written a diary and appeared to have left it somewhere, was not stolen, appears to have been left behind. And the stuff in the diary is uh, uh, impossible to ignore. And I do cover some of it as efficiently as I can um, because it does feel voyeuristic uh, to cover that stuff, but it's uh, unbelievably relevant, some of the stuff that's in there. Uh, So you have to, and it doesn't feel great to do that because it does not feel like she wants the limelight. Um, I will say, though, her husband, though, uh, Howard Crane, is a guy who has benefited more directly from the Biden's willingness to peddle influence than nearly anyone else in the book. Uh, I have another story on him coming up, uh, maybe even today, if not tomorrow, the next day at Breitbart, which will uh, blow your mind, the stuff that he's gotten away with. Um, So... It, it, they're all relevant. Um, there are even moments with Hunter, who is a, who, in the book, uh, has a he's a villain at times. He's a jester at times. Um, I end up giving Hunter a lot of credit for his, a lot of his grifts. I find them to be incredibly clever in a lot of ways, and I think people will enjoy that perspective that I add. That he really uh, has outsmarted a lot of us in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but there's a couple of moments, um, like there's one video that's on the laptop that I discuss where I do discuss how 
a little bit personally going through it and having seen it so many times, uh, it becomes incredibly sad after you've watched it a few times and you do have a little bit of heartbreak for him because you can see what a deeply tormented soul this is. And of all the hatred that we send in his direction, um, for him, it is a little easier to locate that humanity and to see that he is a struggling, a struggling person. Now, he shouldn't have gotten away with a million things, but it is unbelievable when you do find that, oh yeah, this is a real guy who actually does all this nutty stuff. What do we need to know about Jill Biden? Anything important there? What's her role in all this? Yeah, Jill is not as, I would say not amongst the most interesting, um, but I would say that she enables a lot of Joe's worst stuff. The Navy Joan thing absolutely comes to mind, how she would make a big point of pride to decorate the, the White House, and she would feature all of the grandchildren, and yet she would not feature Navy Joan. And Navy Joan is a, I mean, not by biologically her, her grandchild, but it's really family-wise, she was, and Joe, uh, of course, was biologically the grandfather. And Jill would go along with this stuff that she would never, uh, she would never step outside of whatever was most convenient for Joe. Like, for example, you know, her giving a woman of cur- a courage award to a actual biological man, which she's done as first lady. Yeah. I find that to be very revealing that, that <laughs> Joe does that, that Jill does that type of stuff. So, and um, that, you know, she plays deeply into the, the Dr. Jill Biden stuff. We've all made fun of this so many times, but uh, people act like she's a medical doctor. Whoopi Goldberg famously said that she should be surgeon general because she's a hell of a doctor. Mike, <laughs> uh, Mike, she doesn't have a PhD. She's an ed D that she got in her fifties. Like she should not be, she can't be operating on anyone. So it's the, and so, so she's a bit of a, um, she, she's a bit of, of just a face person and is not overly relevant to a lot of the discussions, but she has been a force to encourage Joe to keep running, keep seeking power. Mm-hmm. So she certainly enjoyed that part of yeah. her life. I think yeah. being a, a, a Mrs. Dr. Biden. Why did you include a whole chapter on Kamala? It's a great, great question. It was actually about three times as long in the first draft. Um, the I had, because when I started out writing the book, I was very confident that Joe was going to run again. Based on what I knew about him, based on what I speculated, even though he was so old, uh, I came very, even before I had probably signed my deal to write the book, um, I started my research to see, does this make sense? Is this guy even going to run? Is he going to be alive? Is he going to be around? Is this thing going to be relevant? Is anyone going to care? And uh, when I started to realize that he's wanted to be president since he was a boy, since before I could even get records, you know, you start getting records, you know, high school, college, you can start seeing some stuff. But this is this predates when I have any physical information about Joe, only stories that he was already talking about wanting to be president when he was a child. Now, he fibs a lot, so uh, who knows how much he was serious. But it is, uh, when you start seeing that stuff, you're thinking, okay, this guy's not going to give this up easily. He's not just some puppet that got uh, someone uh, propped a stake in the in in the back of him and is now holding him up. Like, it's not happening. He wanted to be president his whole life. So I said, okay, I think I can do this. I think this is going to happen. Um, but I did hedge a little bit. And I did some pretty deep investigating into Kamala Harris. And it was really my first draft of the Kamala Harris chapter, um, which I refer to as the idea of Kamala Harris, because I talk about how she's not, she's a composite. She's the real composite. She's the real person who has been pieced together, cobbled together like a puzzle piece. Doesn't have a pure bone in her body. 
um, was fascinating to learn about her and to what motivates her and how she's changed over the years uh, to fit her ambitions. And but ultimately, as it became clear that I guess right that Joe was going to run, I kept whittling that chapter down. But I still think it's very important. There's a, a couple of very important points I make about how she got on the ticket and why someone from California, so didn't expand the map, why someone like that would make make the ticket with Joe. And the obvious one makes sense. She's got the most woke points. There's no one more has more woke points than Kamala. She's a woman of not just a, a black woman, but she's a mixed ethnic woman. Uh, but for me, it again became a crony thing where she was the most networked Democrat, the most networked Democrat in both Hollywood and Silicon Valley. And that is, I think the, the chapter is a blast to read, so I'm not trying to give away the punchline, but really that's why she's there, even more than the race stuff, is that Joe could not bag enough cash for a campaign. That's why she was there, and she was propped up by some of our favorite characters, Loreen Powell Jobs comes first to mind, of she's a good person to bring in all that money that Joe would need to beat a guy like Trump who gets all this her media, and it turned out to be a good bet. Yeah, you talked about how Google, Apple, Facebook, maybe another company, uh, they got, as soon as he, he announced her as the running mate, he got $1.5 million more in donations than the whole previous month from those companies. So oh, yeah, the, sec- the second she was in, his orders of magnitude, more money starts flowing into the campaign. Because she was connected to Silicon Valley and a power player, or because of black woman, um, I think it's the I think it's the former, and I and I think again that's the right question to ask because everyone thinks they just just diversity hire. Of course, it's diversity hire. They, oh, but Joe can't stop doing diversity hires. He does it constantly. All the Democrats do, but it's it's deeper than that because it was a signal that the most powerful entity in America that is rivaling the U.S. government, which is Silicon Valley which a, there's a, many, many pieces of evidence in the book that suggests Silicon Valley is becoming every bit as powerful as Washington and is really w- pulling the strings in this country. Uh, that was a direct signal to that constituency of people, all of whom have deep pockets and tend to vote Democrat, that we will not touch you. We will not come after any of you. You are safe to run, have all your monopolies, all your data harvesting, all your selling out to China that you want to do, all that you're going to be allowed to do that, and we're going to give you a pass. That signal was huge, and they were immediately rewarded with a bunch of money. Yeah. Uh, do you, th- Alex Marlowe, of course, Breaking Biden's the book comes out today. So buy it right now, Breaking Biden. Do you think Joe regretted, slash, do you have any insight into the decision of not running in 2016? Um, no, I don't think so. I think he was probably still processing Bo's death because, again, this is one of those things where th- there is a, there is some humanity there. Very painful to have to read over and over again everyone's various versions of Joe dying while uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Bo oh. dying while Joe was uh, vice president. So, I mean, one of the couple of uh, only a handful of moments in the book do, do you feel for the guy, and that that's certainly one of them. Um, and I do think that because of the machine that Hillary had built, uh, Joe is not going to beat Hillary anyway. So I would be stunned if he regrets it at all. Hmm. Uh, last question for you, Alex. I'll let you get on to all your other interviews that you have today as we make this a bestseller, Breaking Biden. Uh, is there any chapter you're looking at? I'm looking at the table of contents right now. Is there any chapter in particular that you look at knowing the work you put into it and it's so well, this book is very clear. Like the most basic compliment you can give is the book is clear and succinct and logically laid out and easy to digest and flows perfectly. So it's like well-crafted. 
So knowing the work that you, and only you know the full work, is there any chapter in particular you're most proud of? And you're like, oh yeah, chapter 10, man, that, that was so much work. And it, it, was, it wasn't good at first, but we made it proper. We finally could get out what I wanted to get out or something like that. Um, it's a, a, wow. It feels like I'm asking you, you asked me to, to choose which one's my favorite, my favorite child. <laughs> and, and, and it's just such a, I can't just say master Marlowe junior. I can't just say that because, cause that would be, that would be so cruel. That's a joke. That's a joke for all of you out there. That's a joke. Um, the, um, but no, no, it, it is, uh, I, I'll highlight, I'll cop out and I'll, and I'll offer three things. Um, the first thing is the first portion of the book, um, is mostly biographical and I did not, it was, it was radically different in early drafts because I thought who in my audience wants to read about Joe's life. And I thought, uh, so what I did is I kind of assumed the audience is some basic knowledge and, um, uh, then sort of immediately dive into, you know, corruption and policy failure and stuff like that. Um, and then we went back and that was collectively, uh, my editor at threshold with, at Simon and Schuster and, uh, me and my agent, we talked about it and, um, we thought it, was, it, it didn't work. It, it was, um, it was too, I, it was too dismissive and it was not a smooth read. Um, so it was incredibly difficult to try to summarize a guy who's been in public life for 80 years in, you know, 40, 50 pages. And I guess he's been in public life for, you know, 50 years, but it, but it feels like 80 some days. Like, <laughs> and I think that I was able to do that in a way that was really entertaining and points in a few directions where the book goes when I get into more analysis of the policy and the corruption. Um, so that, that was a big lift, a really huge lift. And it, I think it reads pretty smooth. Um, and it was something that was really hard to, to pull that off because he just lived such a, such a long life and a public life. There's pretty limited information about him because he's always hated the media. The reason why is a stunning, stunning story that you get to pretty early in the book. Um, but summarize all that was a real challenge. And I do think sets the, set the, uh, sets up the rest of the book. And I think it's sort of fun to read, which is, I, I will tell you, people who hear me do interviews all week, they're not going to hear me talk a lot about how I actually think the book is really fun uh, and enjoyable. I don't think people are going to buy a book about Joe Biden because they want to have fun. I think they're going to buy it to see what to get outraged about. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be leaning into that more for the marketing. But I think you are going to have fun uh, reading some of this yeah. stuff because some of it is so outrageous and hilarious. And I think I do a good job curating it. Uh, but in terms of parts of the book that I think are really different, that I think that we could, we should come back and do interviews on both of these uh, when you have time. Um, but two big ones that are totally unexpected, I think. I, I put two huge uh, colossal national failures on Joe and Joe alone, pretty much. Uh, one is the Ukraine war. And I meticulously go through how Joe's policies basically egged Putin on to invade. And if Joe had installed different personnel and had been able to control the narrative and use diplomatic finesse instead of all of his tough talk and saber rattling, uh, then I I don't think Putin would have invaded. Uh, And I, again, I blame Putin, of course. So for any of you media matters, not just Joe, uh, but other than Putin, uh, no one is more responsible for that war than Joe Biden. And I I make that case over, you know, 15 pages. But I think when you get to the end, you'll think, uh, of course, of course, he screwed this up. And so he wants to run in Ukraine. And all of you are paying for pensioners uh, in Ukrainian bureaucrats pensions right now when you're struggling to make ends meet. 
Uh, all of that is because Joe screwed up and the media gave him a total walk on it, as usual. And the other one is I also put on Joe the uh, destruction of the film industry. And I trace back a deal that he cut with Xi Jinping and Jeffrey Katzenberg, who runs DreamWorks uh, and is a mega power player in Democrat politics. But when he and Xi Jinping were vice presidents of their respective countries, uh, they cut a deal which was designed to uh, get that Chinese cash flowing into Hollywood by opening up China to American films. It ended up that China just took over our intellectual property, uh, learned from Americans how to make movies, and we made our movies much, much worse, and then China cut us off. Joe got completely rolled in the deal, and it's led to exactly why Hollywood is so terrible today. Uh, and I think that this is another one, just just stunning stuff when you kind of look through all the arguments. Breaking Biden, exposing the hidden forces and secret money machine behind Joe Biden, his family, and his administration. Uh, you can buy the hardcover. You can buy the Kindle. You can buy the audiobook. I think what's really important, though, before you do any of this is to watch at least one interview of Alex Marlowe on the TV because then all you'll imagine is a mustache talking to you as you read the book. Because I think, Alex, if I'm not mistaken, about six months ago, you told me you were going to shave the mustache before your media tour. <laughs> it really feels like you've really committed to it even harder now, which I'm thrilled with, by the way. I don't think your yeah. wife is. No, 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 she's not. I've committed that the Thanksgiving it, it's going to go at least temporarily. Can always grow back. No, no, no. Uh, I thought it was last Thanksgiving. No, so, yeah. as like it was months ago. You said you were you were going to get rid of it before the media tour. Yeah, no? did, did I did I say that? No, <laughs> I, I thought I, so. I don't know. I'm kind of attached to it now. I did see when I was on um, when they they allowed me on Fox for a four and a half minutes of the weekend, which I was shocked and surprised by. Uh, thanks to Maria, who's pretty awesome. Um, the if people who have not watched the clip, uh, it is you got to watch it once, but then watch it again on mute because you'll probably just be staring at the mustache. That's it. The whole time. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, don't 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 watch it on mute. Uh, watch it with your back turned so you don't see. Just just listen to it. No, no. I, you can backwards. do it three ways. You can only yeah. focus on the mustache or not none of them. I don't. You go you yeah. try them all. Sample I, them all. It's a different. I, experience. I have to admit, I had the 12 millimeter uh, buzz go, and I went down to the nine after that clip. Ah, it seemed, like, it, 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 it seemed <laughs> like it was a little thick. It seemed like it was it was, it was a little bushy there. Um, <laughs> That's great. But, it's a it's a thank you for noticing, and it's interesting us radio guys because you're a TV guy too, Mike. But I'm I'm radio only for the most part, and you have to present yourself to the public every every year or two if you can get in the news, and then <laughs> you're like, wow, like how, how am I looking these days? How's it, how's this working out? And it is something that we have to consider that is not part of my day to day life the same way it probably is for you know any number of Fox personalities. You committed to it well. I'm glad you did it. Breaking Biden, Alex Marlowe, go buy it now. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. I'm American made. I got American parts. I got American Thanks for listening to Breitbart Daily, Breitbart News Daily. Again, uh, Breaking Biden. Go buy the book. Let's support Alex. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Ken Klukowski is going to be here at 7 o'clock to talk about all the Supreme Court cases that are going to be heard this term. I love talking about the Supreme Court. Ken is the best with this. Uh, and then Bill O'Reilly is going to be here at 8 o'clock with his new book. But I'm also going to talk about, uh, or I'm going to ask Bill a lot about Donald Trump, because I think one of Bill's best books is his book about Donald Trump, which ties into 
the conversation we just had about um, Joe Biden's childhood as well. So Bill O'Reilly tomorrow, 8 o'clock, Breitbart News Daily on Sirius XM. Spread the word.